Hello, everyone. Welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands. I'm the head of content at B2B Marketing. And I'm joined today by the winner of Marketer of the Year at the 2022 B2B Marketing Awards, uh, Matt Allen, the Business Development and Marketing Director at Bidwell. So, Matt, first of all, congratulations. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Bidwell's and your role at the organisation? Thanks, David, and good morning, and good morning to uh, all the listeners. Um, yeah, so uh, Bidwell's, we are a 180-year-old uh, surveying practice. Uh, we are focused in the Oxford-Cambridge arc, and we are doing a lot of stuff in the emerging field of natural capital and sustainable energy. Um, I guess the historics of our business, uh, we started off working with the um, the main biggest landowners, landed gentry, the Cambridge colleges, and some of those clients we've had for sort of 100 plus years still to this day. Uh, so we've been very much involved in the region uh, that we're, um, we're kind of focusing now. Uh, for such a long time, almost part of the fabric of that, I think. Uh, I think the interesting thing that's kind of evolved through that is that about 50 years ago, uh, with our work for Trinity College, we helped them build Cambridge Science Park. And so we've been in the sort of science and tech space for about 50 years now, uh, which is great. And, and actually, with the pandemic, with COVID, the vaccine, you know, we were working on these science parks that where these things were created. Uh, and so that's been a real accelerator for our business um particularly over the last last few years it's really been booming and that's obviously been in the press usually with sort of the focus on life sciences and the country wanting to become a scientific superpower um and i guess my role there uh marketing bd director i look after those teams but also our research team uh so we've been in place uh since about 2018 um and yeah we've really tried to drive the business forward and reshape the way the business thought about marketing and 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 to make it a bit bolder and, and confident in the markets where it's is actually leading fantastic we've obviously done a good job because you've won marketer of the year um and a key factor in that win was your four-year uh, thought leadership strategy that helped transform bidwells into a nationally significant player so just starting at the beginning of those four years what was the challenge that bidwells faced from a marketing point of view I think um, I think Bidwell's has you know had, had been around for a long time. I don't think it ever done marketing brilliantly well previously. Uh, that was starting to change. There was a consultant who was there just before I started working in the company who, who started shaping some things. So there, there was a platform forming uh, when I joined. When I joined, it was quite um, fortuitous in terms of <clears throat> there was a big strategy piece that government did, uh, which is a National Infrastructure Commission. They released a piece of work on the Oxford Cambridge Arc. Um, the Oxford Cambridge Arc was something we'd already identified in our strategy. It's a region uh, that pretty much mar uh, mirrors our core areas of operation for a business. So that was quite exciting for us when you've kind of got offices in Oxford, Cambridge, and Milton Keynes, and suddenly the government says we're going to have this new economic area that's going to be basically spanning across Oxford, Cambridge, and Milton Keynes. So um, that presented a pretty big opportunity for us. It was something we were aware of. So Historically, there'd been something called the Varsity Line, which was a train line which connected Oxford and Cambridge, and that had been uh, closed down for many years. There'd always been talk about, you know, perhaps get the Varsity Line running again. So government came up with this plan. They wanted to have a railway and, and, and a road connection. And because we've been tracking it, I guess we got early mover advantage on that as well. So we were we were straight on it straight away. Um, it, we knew it was so it was so important to us as a business. We'd already started thinking about it. So when government brought these reports out in the end of 2017, I sort of joined shortly after that, and we were straight into it and thinking, okay, how do we capitalise on that? So in that first year, um, you know, we had four pieces of thought leadership that came out. 
uh, a load of blogs. We did advertising around it, social media. So it's a really diverse um, multi-channel campaign. And that, that really set us apart from the competition. Uh, some of our bigger players came into the market and did, you know, one piece of research or they maybe did, you know, a couple of blogs and stuff. But we were doing, you know, 10 blogs. We'd done four pieces of research and we were kind of owning that space. And I kind of um, I guess I kind of knew that was going to happen because I'd worked in bigger firms before. Bidwells is a, you know, a, a, a mid mid-sized business. Uh, and we're up against, you know, some really huge global players, multi-billion pound global businesses. And we're a, we're a sort of 55, 60 million pound business. But what I knew from that was that they would be, their focus would be very, very spread across, you know, multiple uh, areas of interest. So, you know, they might be looking at the London markets. They might be looking at what's going on in the Far East. They might be looking at different uh, asset classes and property. So industrial units or retail. And we were being very, very focused on, the ARC, this, this region from Oxford to Cambridge, uh, and the science technology sectors were the kind of primary drivers. So actually, I knew that if we put all our energy into doing that, we'd be much more impactful uh, than the competition. And that's how it proved and how the campaign then evolved, you know, over the over the preceding years. Yeah, so there's obviously a huge opportunity there for you to capitalise on, but obviously a, a big challenge as well. Um, you know, like you said, you know, you wanted to focus on the arc and, and put all your energy in that that specific area. So how did you actually do that? What did, what, what did the campaign sort of look like on a practical level? So I think, you know, after after that first year where, you know, it was um, it was about establishing, you know, our knowledge and our, our, our leadership in that market. So, you know, being, you know, really looking into the details of what was happening and looking at the opportunity. I think the way we took it, which was different to everyone else. We didn't really talk too much about the the rail and, and and the road route. We actually focused on the economic opportunity for the region. And I think the way we did it differently from our competition is that the marketing team really got under the skin of it. So, you know, in professional services firms, you're often led quite a lot by, um, you know, what the experts in the business, the fianas uh, want to do, their understanding of the markets. Uh, and because there was so much government information coming out, so much policy and, and so much, you know, emerging narrative from various government departments on this, there was an opportunity for us as a marketing team to just really get under the skin of that, start reading it ourselves. So we became almost the experts in the business on this particular topic. Um, and I think the other thing that was sort of differentiated us from the competition in terms of that as well was... <clears throat> I guess we we had a broader and I guess a bigger purpose to our campaign. It wasn't just, oh, let's see if we can deliver some fees and get a good instruction on a science park for Bidwells or or can we, you know, can we uh, get instruction on one of these um, new settlements that's supposed to be coming on this rail line? It was more about we've been in this market for 180 years. This covers our patch. This is an economic area that's, you know, most of our people live in this area. It's going to create huge prosperity if this is done in the right way for our, our people, you know, our, the children for generations ahead. So it became a bigger piece and something we could focus on as a grand ambition, which I think is how it's enabled to have its longevity. Um, so we kind of had that as a kind of a guiding principle of, you know, we just need to make this happen. It's, it's a great thing for the country. It's a great thing for the UK economy. And that's that's kind of been the sort of principle that stuck with our campaigns. It's never been too granular in terms of just focusing on the on, on a particular market or a particular opportunity for the business. It's been a bigger picture thing. And I think that kind of really resonated with our clients. So sort of following from the initial the initial period where we kind of established our position in the market, our clients started coming to us and people who wanted to come into the market started coming to us. We got some good opportunities that led to some business and some opportunities for the firm, which is great. So it kind of showed we were having an impact. 
Um, and then we started working with uh, uh, our agency who, on our on our PR agency uh, Blackstock on a project called Radical Regeneration Manifesto, and that that was where we've kind of first had a really big impact, I suppose, because through that project, we were able to bring together um, about 30 of our most important clients uh, and targets and, and other people who had a very, very strong vested interest in this in this this ARC region to give us their input. And this is where we start bringing our uh, our clients and targets into our into our campaign. And that's something that was a theme all the way through to where we've got to today. And that's really evolved and really helped us um, uh, to establish really sort of strong, high-level relationships, both in terms of our fee-earning teams, but also within the marketing team as well. And that's been really beneficial for the things we've tried to do and has enabled us to have a much more significant impact than perhaps we might do otherwise. Yeah. So lots of great work there. But obviously, to do lots of great work, you have to have, uh, you know, lots of great people. Um, and we know that, you know, budgets and resource are, are likely going to be tight for a lot of marketers um, in the next sort of 12 months or potentially more. Um, so with that in mind, um, how did you actually organize your marketing function in such a way to, to deliver sort of maximum efficiency, if you like? I think, you know, when we, we looked at the team I and mean, when I first came in, we, you know, we did a bit of a restructure. Uh, we looked at, you know, the, what skills we needed in the team. We also had people sort of sitting uh, very, very closely to divisions. So, which I don't think really helps us because, you know, in a, in a professional services type environment, what tends to happen is you have lots of people who've got lots of, you know, of good ideas. But if you have too many good ideas that kind of get fed into a marketing business development team, you just you just drown because there's, you know, there's pet project over here, pet project over here, and you can't really be effective. So we kind of looked at that and said, well, how do we how do we bring this back in uh, to the center? How do we bring the team back into the center? And how do we bring the kind of, I guess, the focus of the business back towards where the group as a whole wants to try and achieve things? Um so we did that by trying to galvanize the business much more around the around the group strategy and around these key areas of focus. Um, you know, the the marketing budget, I suppose, in our in our firm is we've got a, we've got a central marketing budget and then we have divisional marketing budgets as well. So previously, you know, because I guess, you know, the business had been less focused on some of the the, the I guess the group level activities. The localized marketing budgets and the divisions tended to be focused on sort of things they'd done for a little while, things that people liked, you know, the local farm show, the, the various things like that, um, some various dinners and stuff that they wanted to support. But a lot of that, you know, as much as people liked doing it, you know, it was low impact and, and didn't really drive the business forward. Um, so we started engaging with the business saying, look, you know, if you actually club together, we can do this much, much more effectively. So this this benefits you overall, this this area of group strategy. If you all contribute to that, we can do something much bigger, much greater than the sum of the individual parts. So we did that in terms of how we focus the business, how we focus the energy of the business. But we also did that in terms of how we focus the team. And I think the other the thing I, I sort of mentioned about the team as well is so it wasn't just having, you know, someone who was really, really good at the, on the digital side, someone's really good on the PR side, someone's great at sort of structuring marketing side, people helping our teams in terms of business development and research. It was actually getting a team to be, you know, really focused on trying to understand what was going on at this sort of political level, really understand the market. So we could then, you know, go to the business with that confidence and have the confidence to push back and challenge on things. And, and, and you know, I guess we backed ourselves quite strongly because we kind of go, OK, we're getting this. We're understanding what's happening here. This is really, you know, taking off. 
And so we're thinking, okay, what's the best thing for us to do from a marketing perspective uh, and business development perspective to really make this fly? And so we were quite passionate and committed and quite strong with people, even, you know, senior equity partners in our firm. This is the way we think we should do it and backed ourselves. And luckily it kind of uh, was successful and paid off. So we kind of got away with it. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned earlier as well that, you know, you talked about uh, the marketing department before you joined, it was maybe not doing marketing in the best way. Um, you mentioned how that a lot of the money was being spent on the local farm show dinners, that kind of old school cost center stuff that marketing is sometimes associated with. And it sounds like you really changed the marketing department into a, a real growth driver. Um, and that's something we hear, you know, a lot of marketers want to do, but sometimes they receive not necessarily pushback because everyone wants marketing to drive growth. That's what they're there for. But a kind of reluctance to maybe listen to marketing and think, no, no, don't worry about it. We'll leave it to sales. They're the real kind of engine room of the company. So how did you um, shift the perception of marketing within the business to the board and to the people within it around marketing's role specifically and how you can help actually deliver growth for the business? I think... <clears throat> I mean, there's a, there's a few things to say there. So, you know, firstly, you know, we had uh, very strong support from our senior partner uh, when I first joined. So, you know, that's that's one person. But he was the person who was leading the business, uh, and our managing director at the time, you know, gave us a kind of, you know, supported us, uh, even though perhaps there were others and other senior people around the business who perhaps didn't jump on that bandwagon straight away and, and get behind us. So we had almost a, a key individual uh, who enabled us to do that. I think also, you know, you know, Bidwells is a you know a regional player. I'd come from working in you know BNP Paribas real estate for quite a long time, working across European teams there. I'd led a global team when I was a, a, another business just 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 prior to to joining Bidwells. So you know, I'd come with a, a level of experience in the sector. I've been working in the sector for probably 10, 15 years at this point. So I knew property. So I could come into the the the, the business, talk the language in the right way, but also bring lots of the relationships I had. With the with the London media agencies, the London you know the big trade magazines, so we kind of had this instant sort of bit more credibility perhaps um, than the, the the team had had uh, a few years before, um, and I guess it was just you know thinking about how we could be bold, how going to things with confidence, uh, and not being sidetracked by perhaps the naysayers. So I think it's being really confident in your ability. So if you believe in yourself. You've got to back yourself. You know, it's your job. You're an expert marketer. You're a, you're a, you've got to be a leader in that. You can't be someone who's just, uh, you know, pushed into different things that you don't feel are right. Uh, if you're if you're leading a particular team or, or you're doing some work or you're the expert, you know, you're not an expert maybe in property advice or you might not be an expert in legal advice or accounting advice, but you are the expert in marketing. So you've got to be able to build your position in the business to do that. And I think, you know, the where we were lucky is that the things we did in the first year really came off. You know, we you know, one example is we had a we had a big event and it was kind of uh, we ended up booking it at the start of December. And there's a few people saying, oh, God, why are we booking this in the start of December? Everyone's already in party season. No one's going to come. Um, and uh, we had I think we had this 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 room in London, which had, you know, uh, about 200 capacity. And, you know, uh, I think I think at the end, almost 300 people turned up. So there was no seats. We we're having to like message people in the in the Bidwell's team saying, you know, if you're sitting in a seat, can you kind of stand at the back? Because there's clients who can't sit down. That's a small example, but it kind of just showed the kind of thing like where we're getting this right. And then there's loads of clients who contacted after us because we'd really struck a chord with people in terms of the content. It, like I said, it was different from what everyone else was doing on the subject. Uh, and that kind of thing really helped. And the other thing I think that sort of also really helped was, you know, we've won quite a few awards as part of this campaign. So over the years, 
you know, we've won about nine awards and some B2B awards along the way. Uh, and I think, you know, when we started getting that external recognition as well, it was really difficult for people to challenge because we were kind of showing we could do it internally. We're getting a bit of business benefit. And then we were getting this, this cred- credibility by going up against some of the really big names that you have in the B2B awards and coming out with gold awards and, and stuff like that. So we're kind of going, you know, little old Bidwell's 55 million pounds of practice from Cambridge taking on the likes of, you know, IBM and MasterCard and AT&T and Adobe and coming out on top. So when you do that kind of thing, you know, you can start getting that, you know, it's very difficult for people in the business to challenge you. And there will always be a few supporters and those supporters can use that kind of narrative that you're spinning internally and talking about the rewards to hopefully get some of the other naysayers on board as well. So uh, quite a lot of work doing that kind of stuff, but the, the awards and that kind of thing, one, it motivated the team, but two, it gave us a much more credibility internally. As, you know, so we couldn't necessarily be challenged as much as we might have been previously. And therefore, we, we were able to commit to the ideas we had, which I think really motivated the team much more rather than sort of being told you need to do this. It was kind of like, we want to do this. This is the best thing for us to do. Everyone got behind it. And uh, I think that gave us much more impact as well. It's interesting you mentioned about the event as well. Um, I was speaking with Brian McCready on an episode of the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, Brian won uh, a, a couple of awards at uh, the B2B Marketing Awards as well for Adelshaw Goddard. Um, and they also ran an event which which had a, he called it a drop-in rate. And obviously with marketers, we're used to the dreaded sort of drop-out rate on the day. Um, so it sounds like, you know, events might be having a bit of a moment. Do you think that's fair to say? Or I don't know, what are your thoughts on the, the physical event landscape? I think, you know, we're, you know, we don't have products. So we are effectively selling uh, individual advisors and experts. Uh, so, you know, we have to get people in front of other people. It's not like you can just go on and look, okay, you know, there's this product specification. Yes, we'll have some of those and that's a good price. You can't do it online. You can't, you can't do it in, in you know, in, in a digital, digital way. So getting people in front of clients, in front of, you know, targets, being able to have conversations with them, build relationships is incredibly important in professional service. And I think that will always be the case when you're, you want to get a professional advisor, you know, you don't just want someone as an expert, you want someone you can build a relationship with and get on with and that kind of thing as well, because you've got, you're going to have to work with these people. So, you know, we've done some big sort of marquee type events. We, you know, I've mentioned the one where we kind of had, you know, standing room only. We then, I think it was, you know, after we launched Radical Regen, in, in 2019, uh, uh, we did a huge event where we filled out Francis Crick and we had, I think we had about 500 people uh, filling out that event. And that's quite unusual. You know, professional services marketing events, normally, you know, you're looking at sort of, you know, 110 to 150 people for a pretty large event. Uh, but we got 500 to the Crick. So that, that I think that was the kind of real sort of testament to, you know, the f- real interest there was in this this area we were focusing in. And the fact that we were leading it as well, kind of people really wanted to sort of come and get involved. And then we've done a, did a big event last summer at the QE2. And that was on the doorstep of government because the work and the project we've evolved kind of almost from dealing with our clients and talking about things like the development opportunities and science technology to sort of saying actually has, is the policy environment around our our sector and, and our on our economic geography right We've been trying to influence government to make the right decisions. So we wanted to do a big event right on the doorstep of, of Parliament and uh, and try and uh, try and encourage them to engage with us. Mm, sure thing. So um, event aside, how did you actually measure the success of this strategy and how did you prove that to the board? I think we got some good opportunities early on. So, you know, uh, when the when the project was first forming and, you know, it, <laughs> It's interesting because, you know, just sort of thinking about this, you know, some of these things were kind of like we had opportunities, then government have shifted policy and completely 
completely stifled some of the growth that was potentially there. Then they've come back to the game again. Um, you know, so initially they were looking at you know a series of uh, a series of new settlements across across the region. And so in the, in the in the first year, one of the people who came to that big event, I said, with a standing room only, wasn't someone we'd particularly engaged with before, but was someone who wanted to create one of these um, these new settlements. Uh, that was a, that was someone who then started working with us. In fact, we're still talking to him today uh, on a project which is probably going to deliver about six million in fees, about twenty five thousand new homes. So you know that was someone who sort of came out of nowhere just because they'd seen what we're doing on the project, all delivered through through the marketing and start came to came to the meeting, came to this conference and started engaging with us. I think over time, you know, what we've done is bring our key clients and targets into the campaign. Um, so. You know, as as the as the campaign evolved, like I said, we've we've we started sort of you know bringing them into the big thought leadership projects. We then got a mandate from government to run a a sort of probably bi monthly think tank with them. So we were advising government on the policy decisions they needed to make to kind of unlock this region, and we were able to bring you know our own clients into that uh, and give them that kind of that forum. Um, over the course of the campaign, the last few years the the fee income shift from you know though before the people were involved in the campaign to after they're involved in the campaign is up about 21 percent. that's some of our biggest clients so you know you're talking about people in our sort of top 30 clients an upward shift of about 21 percent. so that's pretty significant um and then around that you know because we've become this leader and become known around this arc region and science technology uh, in 2021 we were involved in 83 percent of all of the life sciences transactions in that region um, so, you know, we've been able to sort of quite closely link what we're doing from a marketing, from a research, from a business development perspective to real significant growth uh, for our firm. Yeah, it's interesting that you say you're bringing clients and targets into the campaign, because I think traditionally, if you look at a, a very sort of black and white view of marketing, it's, it's very outward kind of facing. So you you create your advertising and, and you kind of pump it out. That's the classic view of marketing, albeit not a very sophisticated one, I admit. Um but you were talking about, you know, bringing uh, your clients and potential clients into a, a think tank. And it almost sounds like you were creating a little bit of a, a community there. Do you think that marketing in that sense is becoming more of a two way street? Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, it kind of it's got shades of an ABM campaign to a certain extent, you know, where you've identified those key accounts that you want to be working with and you want to grow. You've identified the people you want to bring in because you can see the players coming into the market we were able to wrap them in. And I think it goes back to what I was saying about, you know, it wasn't just a campaign about delivering fees. It had a bigger purpose and a grander vision. So, you know, we had, you know, particularly that year where lots and lots of, you know, people piled into the market and came to us, you know, they were going into this market and really committing to it on the basis that government was going to accelerate the growth. When government then sort of decided to change its policy position, Michael Gove came in, really transformed what they were doing in terms of a focus on levelling up, changed the MHCLG to become Department of Levelling Up. That really had a big impact on our market because they effectively got rid of 50 people who were doing policy in the area we were focused on. So, you know, we'd spent far too much time around this project to sort of let that slip. And actually, we really believed in it. You know, we've just come out of the pandemic We've got, you know, this is the region that's kind of created the um, created the vaccine. You've got a huge investment going to life sciences and government said, we're not going to support it. We're not going to build any houses there and we're not going to invest in infrastructure. You're going, what are you talking about? This is absolutely crazy. You know, we've got this massive economic opportunity right now. It's it's ready. It's booming. And you're going to go and put money in the north. Now, that's not to say don't put money in the north, but 
put money in north but also support this thing that's really great because you'll get even more money coming out of it immediately not in 15 years time so we then sort of getting people are coming 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 to us and saying look you know what's going on here uh interestingly astrazeneca came to us you know said how do we get more involved in the government with the government on this which is quite strange for us as a you know like i said you know a relatively small business in comparison to the likes of astrazeneca so we started then bringing these people together and say, look, you know, let's let's get together. Let's let's challenge government on this. Um, so we wrote a letter to Boris Johnson at the time, also to Rishi Sunak, who was a chancellor. It was branded, you know, Bidwell's letterhead. Contact me if, if you want to pick up with us. But then, you know, the signatures were AstraZeneca, you know, legal in general, uh, Brookfield. You know, we had the people who were signing that letter all behind Bidwell's brand were the CEOs of businesses responsible for three trillion in global assets. You know, that's quite something for a business our size to get that kind of backing. But because we've done this campaign for so long, because we were at the forefront of talking about it, because we had these government relationships from the work we'd done, people believed that we were the right people to get behind. And that's something we've continued going forward. And we're still doing that now. We, you know, we've been engaging with Rishi Sunak. We're, we're trying to set up a, a super cluster business board for this region, which we're getting really good soundings from government on at the moment. And, you know, from, from Michael Gove, uh, there were some comments about him flushing the ark down the toilet. Um, we've actually there was a piece in the FT last week talking about an ark, an ark revival, and you know, you know, we've been very pivotal in that happening. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would love to chat more about Michael Gove. Um, but one thing I would like to talk about just for now um, is in the case study for your um, marketer of the year win. Um, it mentions that you. Basically, well, you literally improved the happiness level of the marketing team in a measurable way. So what I'm interested to know is how did you actually measure that? Um, and, how, and obviously, more importantly, how did you actually achieve it? So, yeah, I mean, I think we've got, you know, we've got an internal system called Thymometrics where people can go in and um, and basically say, you know, uh, how are you feeling about things? You know, so it sets sort of expectation levels and how you how you feel. And it's about sort of 10 little metrics about well-being, about the quality of the IT systems, the environment and all that kind of things in the, in the office. Um, and, uh, you know, so we, I can go in as, as, a, as, a, as a one of the sort of directors of the business and, and see how my team's performing. Uh, and, you know, we performed incredibly well. One of the, you know, I think the highest participation rates and, and, and you know, green all the way across. And most of the other teams had areas where, you know, they were thinking, you know, where they were in the red, where they got, you know, people weren't so happy. I think I think it goes back to a few things. I think, you know, giving the team the real confidence and, and not micromanaging people, but giving them the confidence to go and do stuff. And, you know, I was willing to sort of, I guess, stand there as the leader of the team and say, you know, back us. We're going to get this, deliver this kind of projects for you. We're going to be, you and do things in a different way. We're really going to push on marketing um, and protecting the team in that way, giving them that kind of freedom to go out and do things and explore things and try the things they wanted to do for the better of the business. Because I think that motivates people much, much more than, than sort of perhaps being too controlled on projects. I think, you know, the other things, you know, getting the team behind, you know, in terms of some of the awards. So that's been quite important to us as well. So we think we're doing some really good stuff. We're pretty confident it was having some impact. Let's see. Let's see where we are against, you know, our competitors in the market. But let's not just test ourselves in the property market space. Let's test ourselves against the, you know, the world of B2B marketing and, and, and the drama and various other things and see where we stand in that. And, you know, doing that kind of thing and getting people out. The team absolutely love it. It's fantastic for us. It's brilliant. You know, everyone's got it on their CVs. Everyone gets so excited. You just really feel you're, you're doing something that's important and having a having a benefit. And I think, you know, that's that's something which has really helped build a team dynamic. We've had a really, really stable team uh, through that period. 
So, you know, I've still got, you know, the, the same the same PR manager, the same digital marketing manager, head of marketing is, is, is still the same, same person leading the BD team. We've not lost anyone in the four or five years I've been there at that sort of mid to upper level, uh, apart from when we had to make some redundancies due to the, the pandemic. Um, but so we've pretty much retained the same team throughout this period. Some of the people at junior level have changed a little bit. But actually, you know, uh, we've got a very, very stable team where we've not really lost anyone uh, who we didn't who we didn't want to leave. Um, and so we've been able to, you know, I think that's really helped that consistency in terms of what we've been trying to do. Everyone's really understood and everyone's really bought into uh, how we work as a team and, and really focused on delivering the best for the business. Yeah. And I think those benefits are almost impossible to quantify sometimes, but there's always so many issues with, with staff churn um, in the market right now. But, you know, the second someone comes in, they're not necessarily going to hit the ground running. It might take them six months to really, really understand the business, maybe more. But this point around keeping the team happy, it sounds very, you know, it sounds very nice, doesn't it? Oh, everyone's really happy, but there is a real business driver behind it. Um, so, yeah, great to hear. On a slightly more negative note, we are obviously in the midst of a cost of living crisis um, and probable budget cuts in the next couple of months. Um, so with that in mind, let's say uh, someone listening is going to have their budget cut, let's say. How do you think they can be more efficient, uh, effective or, or innovative um, to do more with less? I mean, I think there's, you know, I think there's some interesting things that are sort of emerging through AI at the moment in terms of creating efficiencies. And I'm not saying go out there on chat GPT and, and just kind of go, you know, write us 10 blogs and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But I think, you know, you can be you can create some efficiencies through those kind of channels, you know, just in terms of, you know, I think easing writer's block to get you started on something. You know, sometimes I've been grappling with something sitting there on my computer. Think, oh, how on earth do I start this thing? How do I how do I get that? That what's the right language you? Just having something which is you can go. This is a topic I'm talking about. Give me some thoughts on it. And actually, that I quite like that bit. Okay, I'm gonna rework that because it's only gonna create stuff at a, a fairly generic level. And and obviously, we're a professional services business built on expertise. So the thing is, we need to differentiate ourselves and our brand proposition is well informed. So being generic and and having stuff that's 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 too middle of the road. Uh, doesn't really work for us but actually i think it does sort of help you in terms of okay i can get started with this so i think some of the things like that would be an area i'd look at you know there's a whole load of things that we're utilizing now in terms of uh various new tools and, and the team have been great at coming up with sort of you know different different things that can really help us create things faster you know around video around you know more engaging presentations and stuff like that where we're now using you know relatively you know relatively cheap web applications that would stop, you know, save us all that budget in terms of going out and using professional videographers, for example, and just getting some of that kit in in house and using some of the apps and like play play and things that can create things really well. Um, so we're doing that, and I think you know if if you are going to be if you are going to be having your budgets cut, it's about how can you have impact and how can you have that focus. So it kind of goes back to what I was saying at the start. You know, if you're too too spread and you've got too many projects going on and you're not really delivering impact, I think if you, if you can have demonstrates the business that you know the stuff you're doing is having an impact uh and you can focus on those key opportunities for the firm most firms i shouldn't be then cutting back in terms of what you're doing from a marketing perspective because they can see the value in what you're doing uh you're seen as something which is adding value rather than something which is a cost and mm -hmm. you know marketing business development always has to be seen as a value to the firm rather than rather than a cost and it's challenging particularly in professional services environment but um you know, that's that's really how I, how I, would, I would focus on it. 
Yeah, it's worth mentioning to our listeners at this point in the podcast that we're releasing a ton of expert created practical guidance content within Propolis um, all around the theme of resilience in marketing. So in other words, how can you strengthen your marketing function in the face of a challenging economy and you know and potential cuts? So uh, if you are already a member of the community, just head to the access content page and look out for the latest practical guidance uh, content. Um, and if you're not a member, you can learn more about Propolis by clicking the link in the description. Um, also as well, uh, Tech is obviously one way that you can drive efficiencies in your business. It's not the only way, of course, but it is one way. Um, and we have Martechopia, which is our tech-focused conference, um, which is on the 29th of March, 2023. Um, and it's there to optimize your people, processes, and platforms to drive marketing performance. So um, if that's something you're interested in, just, again, follow the link in the description. Um, but Matt, my final question for you today, what does winning marketer of the year do for you? Um, you know, what does it do for your career? Well, I think it's been it's been really positive. It's one of those things you kind of you know it was completely unexpected. Uh, I was I remember being at I think it was uh, one of the Propertist Leaders Forums and um, and one of the speakers there was was someone who was shortlisted and I was listening to what they've been doing and I was thinking that's seriously impressive and I just I just really didn't think I was going to win and it was a complete shock. Uh, so you know it was it was great and I, I really did enjoy it. But it's kind of like yeah what 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 kind of um, how did it change me? I don't know if it changed me particularly, but it was just kind of like uh, one of those moments where you, you're absolutely delighted. I think, you know, again, going back to sort of like team, I think the team have been quite proud of it as well. I've had a few, you know, a few really nice comments from the team and, and messages from people and stuff. And, and since, so that, that's been nice. I think it's meant a lot that, you know, we're kind of, you know, it's almost like seen as part of our joint success of the team as well, um, which is good. I think from a business perspective, uh, it's come at quite a good time. We're just, um, uh, we had a, a new leadership team come into our business um, last year and, you know, been working with them to sort of talk about my role. Um, and I've just been promoted onto uh, the main board uh, of the business. So, which is great. I think, you know, from a marketing perspective, you know, I've been involved in an operating board for, for quite a while, but actually having, you know, a marketing voice right at the center of the business as part of that leadership group uh, for the firm is, is a, is a real change and in professional services, it doesn't happen much very often, um and i think you know it's it's a great for me to sort of you know break down that barrier a little bit uh for our firm but also for the team to have that representation at the top level um so it's kind of opened the door it's been one of those things where you can have a conversation with someone and say look you know you know we are operating at this level we're creating these things which are winning you know awards and personally i'm someone who's been demonstrated through this to be at the top of the game in terms of what i'm doing you know give me the opportunity to come help you as part of the strategy of the business and part of main board. And we can, we can build something really successful going forward. And I think that's given me much more, you know, external credibility to help them feel comfortable about making that decision. So that's been quite a, you know, an immediate impact, which sort of happened, I guess, in, you know, almost a few weeks after, after the award. So uh, that's been good so far and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And, you know, very, very well deserved to you and also to the entire Bidwell's marketing team as well. Um, just a final note to our audience. Um, if you want to read the full case study on Matt's uh, win, um, you can access all B2B marketing award case studies uh, in full on Propolis. So again, you can read about Propolis in the description. Um, so Matt, thank you very much for joining us and uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon.